Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Downright Upright Show. This podcast is the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking. I am your host, Philip Anthony. I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us today, and I hope you are all fantabulous. On each podcast, I will first be introducing our guest, sharing a short bio of their lives and careers, and ending with their personal opinions of the current events that influence all of our daily lives as Minnesotans and as Americans. My special guest on today's podcast is Sue Ann Rollins, an English as a second language teacher, a podcaster whose current podcast is called A Toast to Work, and who also had a podcast originally called Twitter Travels for Pete, on which I was one of her guests, actually. And of course, she's an author who wrote the book Traveling the Trail for Pete, Finding Belonging in a Political Campaign. And I'm, I just want to read a little bio about Sue before we begin questions. So, Sue Ann Rollins loves meeting new people. As an ESL teacher, she met hundreds of students from all over the world with social energy to spare. She also met many people online and formed friendships, often traveling to meet them in person. Until the 2020 Democratic presidential primary, this hobby did not include meeting people working on a political campaign. But when she heard Mayor Pete Buttigieg speak about immigration issues from a community perspective, something near and dear to her heart, she was sold. She decided to do all she could to help this remarkable once-in-a-generation candidate win nomination. After getting her feet wet with Minnesota for a Pete, being a podcast host was also fun. She continued doing episodes even after the campaign ended, first with a series of Pete Rules of the Road and then a series on transportation issues once Pete became the Secretary of Transportation. All 28 episodes of the Twitter Travels for Pete podcast are still live and can be found on various platforms. And uh, we can do the link yeah. later at the end of the show. I'll give the listeners the link. And Sue Ann continues to support the issues advocated by Pete in the campaign through the Win the Era Action Fund. She has a home with her Team Pete community, especially on Twitter, and she travels to meet those Kindred spirits in person. Sue Ann lives in Minneapolis with her husband, adult son, and dog Jojo. Okay, so welcome, Sue Ann. How are you today? Thank you, Philip. I'm well, great. Thank you so much for coming today. Um, we'd like to start with the, the, our first question. Um, I'm very fascinated by your life because you actually went down the same avenues I did early in life. So I'd like to go into that. So um, we both were ESL teachers. I know. ES English as a second language, for those out there who don't know what that, that acronym stands for. But you, have, you however, did it long, much longer than me. Right. I think Actually, I, I just retired after 21 years. And by just retire, retired means last week <laughs> really oh, yeah. oh that's true yes yeah you but i'm always going to be an esl teacher so i'll just tag on retired in front of my title in the heart yeah you're always retired reti yeah mm -hmm. how does it feel by the way to be retired mm -hmm. well i'll know in september when i don't go back to school because right now it's kind of similar when right, i'm done for summer, the summer yeah, yeah. Right, right, right but when i see the school buses you know in the Oh, I, I, I'm I'm ready. It's okay. You, that's the, when you know it's time to retire. Is when when it's you're not sad. You're happy. You're you're you feel like you accomplished a lot and it was a fulfilling career, and it yeah. just feels right. 
I enjoyed it myself, yeah. I see the light at the end of the tunnel for me as well. Um, I'm uh, going to retire pretty soon. Um, mm -hmm. I see it. Um, I love my job, but, you know, it's I'm getting up there. So I, I, I kind of want to enjoy traveling and doing the things right. that you do when you get older. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, so... Um, so how long have you did were you in ESL and 21 years and it was my midlife career change. I oh. was home with kids and uh, I found out about it through an acquaintance that I didn't even know it was a career. Uh, I didn't know what what was going on really uh, in that end of education and I found out about a program at Hamlin University which then was a post baccalaureate program. So if you had a bachelor's degree already, it would be two years to get you the education cre credits you need and everything to get your license. Cause, because in Minnesota, to teach adult basic ed, so basically I was teaching adult basic ed ESL, you, you do need a teaching license. Mm -hmm. um, and at the time, I thought I was going to teach in K-12, but I've only worked one job. I had one job for 21 so years. So you, 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 you only have taught um, adults, basically. Yes. Okay. But I had to do my student teaching for both. So I was prepared my licensure. Right. I, I just renewed my license, so I still have a license for K-12 wow. ESL in Minnesota. Well, I hope you have the best retirement ever. Oh, I know. You but you know what? Our careers really um, have an impact on us, and they, do, they are part of uh, our, our personality and our soul. Mm -hmm. we, we are a changed person from having done that, and same for you. So even though we retire... We are, it's, it's inside of us and that all those years of experience and yeah, because I, I used to think, oh, I was working part time. Oh, blah, blah, blah. But then I realized, oh, wow, part time doesn't, I mean, it's, it's changed who I am. Yeah. And so that's the, the beauty of it. Of but it's it. rewarding too, because I, I can imagine, well, I, I don't know, you, you can tell the listeners, have you speak, uh, seen um, or have spoken to any of those students that you taught who now sound like Americans. Well, <laughs> they speak English. Well, they're, they're, they're going to have uh, accents, everyone. Let's, let's be fair well, to I people. Mean know. That. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. So it's more fun. It's fun to see where they've gone, gone on for you know, professions, jobs, just being settled in the community. And they're always very grateful. For, during, during their time in class, they're extremely grateful I've to had have that the opportunity. Yeah. And then I'm surprised that they'll recognize me out and about and sometimes I don't recognize them if it's been 20 years but I do like um, at the hospital I was at the hospital with my parents and uh, there was there's one woman who is working there she does transport to so taking them like to, down to x-ray or down to physical therapy and so she remembered me and, and that wow. was just so rewarding and they are very affectionate and me. very grateful yeah and but, but because of Facebook I I've kept in touch with a lot of my former students and I've I've taught advanced level for most of my career there and what that means is that you're able to develop a well I mean even at beginning you you do have a, a relationship so I don't mean to say that but then the advanced level allows you to teach writing and have you know in-depth conversations and discussions so you do get to know the the student mm -hmm. a little bit more that way and um, and so it's been really fun to keep in touch with them on I taught Facebook. all six I remember if I remember correctly when I taught ESL um, we had six levels and yeah. they were one to six and one being elementary. Yeah, like probably pre-lit, you know, the, the students who come yeah, in. Yeah, but we had like a hello, 
what is your name? You know, yes, they, they, but they it, might not have even known how to write, depending on where, what, where yes. they came from. Mm-hmm. And right. then level six was like... That was like me. Oh, you're level six? It's like the highest. You know? <laughs> it's like um, kind of like college prep. Yeah, well, they always gave me, uh, it's funny that you're mentioning this, because they always gave me level one, because they knew I knew Spanish, because I I had grown up in a a very Latin community, and I learned it in the street, but I I, I took it in college, Mm -hmm. too, but to perfect it, I wanted to speak Mm -hmm. correctly, Um, but they always gave me the easy stuff, and I always wanted to do like what you do. Oh, uh, well, you mean advanced grammar? And writing skills. Yeah, yeah. Well, Philip, it could have been that they thought you had the right personality to be working with at beginning level. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, being very friendly. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, another thing I think our listeners would like to know is uh, the difference between, or differences between ESL and bilingual education. Because I know uh, people have this misconception of ESL, I think. A lot of people do anyway. Because uh, bilingual, I think you have to use the mother language as well, right? Is, well, that if we do have a lot of bilingual schools in K-12 education, mm-hmm. and what that means is... So we live here in the United States in an English-dominant society. So all of my students, they're already living in an English um, system, which makes it a little easier because they're always being bombarded with English. Yes. Um, and... Uh, there's another licensure. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna ask your question. Answer your question about bilingual, uh, in a minute. But there's another um, certificate program. It's called TEFL, teaching English as a foreign language. So if anybody's interested in in that, a lot a lot of people maybe later in their life and they 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 could be away for a year or two. They get that certificate and then they could teach English as a foreign language in a foreign country. So that's oh, like going okay. to Japan or Saudi Arabia or anywhere. And then it's just like, oh, if you're taking French here. So it's it's English as a foreign language, but the main language being spoken in that country, you know, is different. Bilingual education here in the U.S., so a Spanish by, uh, immersion is actually what it's called, Spanish immersion schools, kids you know, here in a, a English dominant language, in school everything's taught in Spanish, so it's like Spanish medium, I think it's called. And but then they go home, and you know everything is English. So that's that's a way to help them become bilingual when their kids can learn so easily. Mm-hmm. And my students are coming from. I think I've taught from all over the world. I, I should I should get the, a map and put pins in all the countries that my students have been from. And so what they all share, you know, they're all coming from different language backgrounds, but they all share. The thing they have in common with each other is that they're all trying to learn English, and it's crucial to their success here. Mm -hmm. Yes, I I did mostly, um, well, it was New York in the 80s when I But they're so grateful because they need it. I mean, they, and then at the higher level, they want to be, they want to advance enough so that they can still work in their profession, right? Mm-hmm. So they want to be able to get a professional job. So even though, you know, they sound pretty well, they're doing pretty well, but to get up to that professional level is harder. So uh, no matter, you know, where they're coming from, they, they, they know that they need it. And it's, it's so frustrating for them, and that's why I feel I get very upset when they are criticized by people who don't understand language acquisition. Like a lot of Americans who've never even studied a language think that an immigrant should know English already, and they don't understand. I could explain to them 
the grammatical forms yes. uh, that are, are hard to master. And I could explain things about pronunciation based on the sounds that they don't have in their language, but we have in our yes. language. And I it's just so cruel. Same. It's yeah. so cruel. It is ho- horrible because... We'll just speak English. Okay, why don't you go and learn Spanish or Chinese uh-huh. or Vietnamese? And Well, see, Europeans, uh, um, it's very common for them to speak two, three languages right. because so their close. countries are so, you know... Uh, Attached. So it's the isolationism Close. that. Yeah, United about. States. We are. Um, we only have one bo- border with a foreign. Well, mm-hmm. if you want to consider Canada French, yeah. you know. But other than that, it's just yeah. Spanish, and mm-hmm. um, so we don't have that um, fire in the belly to go well, out and, and learn another uh, language. In addition know? to that, there's like a negative connotation with well, yeah. with with Spanish yes. and languages. Build the wall kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And linguistically, languages just are what they need to be to communicate, but then all of this um, not values or um, other aspects are added to it based on the cultures that speak it and the, the classes. And mm-hmm. so. Well, but yeah, thank you for that. So uh, now I'd like to discuss your current podcast really quickly about, it's called The Toast to Work, right? Is that right? And um, can you talk about what it's about? And I was a guest on that podcast. That was that was so fun. A lot of fun. Yes. Can you so tell it, a, a toast as in to not putting toast in the toaster? But you can <laughs> see on the my little album cover, it's two champagne glasses, like making a toast to work, a celebration of joy in the workplace. So it's conversation with amazing people in unusual jobs. How can our listeners uh, well, it's called, find that's, the... It's on all the platforms. If they just want to search a toast to work, it should come up. Oh, really? It's on... Uh, um, Spotify, Spotify and um, iTunes and Google Play. So right. it's, it's everywhere. And I, I had the idea because in January, I was revving up to retire and you have to do all these things you know for you know the forms that you need to fill out to retire and to get your pension Mm -hmm. and um, I was thinking oh with COVID I don't know if I'm gonna be having a big party you know I was starting to feel sorry for myself (laughs) (laughs) I thought maybe it's just gonna be you know I'm still wearing a mask on the last day of school I turn in my computer and leave you know Uh, (laughs) Uh, so I thought well I want to start celebrating now and uh, really I would advise anybody retiring to start start really celebrating it while you're still working, unless you really hate your job. I mean, mm-hmm. if you really, <laughs> if you just really, but yeah. if you love, if you do love your job, it's really been fun for me to just to celebrate my own job by talking to other people about their jobs. Yeah, yeah, and you know something, uh, and that's a great point because, you know, I told you I'm I'm I see the light at the end of the tunnel. So you're going to start thinking and celebrating now for another year or two and yeah but uh, that's why I'm doing this podcast actually I I I want to do something I really wanted to do forever Mm -hmm. um for the rest of my life until you know I'm I have to meet my maker (laughs) so um because I don't uh, my my job is other job is very challenging it's very on my on my body and Mm -hmm. uh my time and all that Mm -hmm. so this is something I want to do but um I think people should be listening and uh, to podcasts because a lot of them. I mean, they have, I I listen to them all the time. I, there's one about cooking I love. Um, yours too is many. fabulous, by the way. Well, I find that ordinary people, right, everyday people, are so interesting. I just yes. love it, and so oh, yeah. I just thought, okay, I 
I know people have unusual jobs. So sorry to anybody who's working in an office or at your home office. So I know you're doing really important things that probably are interesting. But I tried to choose things that were not uh, set in a traditional office right. kind of job. and um, Which I did that as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't ask you about that. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so my idea was to... To find out what what people do from, so I wanted to know their joy, right? But before we, I could ask about their joy, what they like about their job. I have to find, well, what exactly do they do? And you could think you know what that profession does, but you don't really know. So one of the things that I did for H1 is to ask, you know, from start to finish, what mm-hmm. do you do? So depending on, you know, if it's uh, I, the first uh, guest was a, a professional soccer referee and professional um, league and I, I really, because I'm not a sports, even if I were involved in sports, I probably wouldn't know what they're doing before the game and after the game, you know, and anything in between. And so I was so surprised and delighted to, Have to hear about Have you had a guest say to you, are they uh, anything negative about their job or everything was always their joy? you know a positive aspect of their job well they I mean it would be more like some some of the things that would be maybe more tedious or you know routine so it didn't have to everything doesn't have to be joyful but it was like what was the one thing and then I always asked about their workplace because it's about joy in the workplace and uh, my workplace was a classroom so Mm -hmm. all these other people had a different workplace so the soccer field you know in all temperatures all yes uh, every job has a stressor right but, you know, then you have the perfect days. But just the fact that just so different, right, being outside. There were some indoor settings, but mostly outdoors. Mm-hmm. And so it's compared to being in a classroom. And um, theater director, a lot's in, actually on the stage or in the theater and rehearsal rooms and actually, ho- and a lot of work on your own. So um, construction, out on the site, meeting with people. Uh, just a lot of, of yeah. uh, so just to think about where you work, your workplace, but also what find what you find joyful about it, and then my little shtick. So when I I developed this, you know, I'm an idea person. I thought, well, what could I do? How can I tie in my job, right? So I always tried to find something I had in common with that person. What my job? So that As was a tie-in. Yeah, yeah, that was my challenge. That no matter what, I would find something that. So um, I enjoyed doing that. Tell the listeners again the name of your podcast so they can go on there. A toast to work. A to- I love that. So I just finished this season, and uh, this episode isn't out yet. But by the time your episode, your this episode is out, it will be um, where I was interviewed by one of my colleagues using the same set of questions I have been asking my guests. Wow. And so this is a colleague who has had, worked in the same job for about this, a little bit longer than I have. We've been, you know, um, our rooms are next to each other. So it was really fun. So even though he was asking me the questions, you know, he would chime in with his experience too. Oh, wow. And that was, and then I ended with a little bit, like five minutes of my students uh, on the last day for our, during our party, and they all introduced themselves and said their country and language. And then, so that wraps it up. But then I do have a season two that will come next year where I want to interview uh, some former students. So it will still be a oh, toast wow, to that, work, but it will be, be about yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. So I do have a student who became a phlebotomist. Oh, wow. 
You know, that's the person who takes your blood. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I I, I mean, yeah. So look forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. So when when does the next season start? It will be in like January or February. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's move on to a different topic. Yes. Um, Pete Buttigieg. Yes. This is, I saw her face just light up. You guys can't see her face because you're, this is a audio, non-visual podcast. Right. But her face just lit up when I said that name. Um, how did your support for our current Secretary of Transportation, I love to say that, <laughs> He's I know. the Secretary, Secretary of Transportation, come about? Uh-huh. How did... So uh, the first moment? The first yeah, moment. Yeah, what was Everybody the, knows. Uh, so uh, anyone who is not familiar with... Well, everyone, I think a lot of people know about him now that he's been, he's the Secretary of Transportation and he's on TV all the time. So his name recognition has, you know, gone up. Even Fox Uh, News has him on. uh, Yes. So, uh, but if you haven't been part of this inner circle of Team Pete people, you might be wondering, wow, is this a cult or why are they so crazy about him? Well, (laughs) yeah, remarkable person. Uh, As you read in my, my bio, but it wasn't really very clear at the time uh, in the bio it's not really laid out why what I was I liked about him the very first time I right. heard him speak and it is tied to my profession Be- during the Trump years so anti-immigrant as you know and that um, travel ban I mean I had students in my class who were really afraid when he was the oh, day really? after oh, election they, were, they were uh, they were they were really fearful after Trump was elected so to see that like yeah. with real people <laughs> right I mean yeah oh, boy. so uh, and the anti-immigrant sentiment that was really being almost you know celebrated on the right so oh, is, anyway yeah. uh, Pete was doing the town hall in uh, on CNN and it was March tw- 2019 I just caught part of it and he was asked something about immigration and he said immigrants are part of our community we have to take care of our communities. And that was like the, the absolute truth and, and also something no one, no other politician has ever stated it that way. Okay, and, yeah. and just to, to the amount of, and being com, coming from a mayor, of course, he realizes and, and knew firsthand about that that is true, right? right I mean, right. like, it's, it's ridiculous to, to think you're going to, they're in the community. Right, I mean, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. they're already in the community, and actually, you know, we need them. You and know? those people that yeah. have been living here, right, Suanne? I mean, for generations, and oh, they yeah. and they're and they're not they're contributing, and and we we need that. Yeah, and they're, and they're and they're paying taxes and doing all that stuff, and and they're ninety nine point nine logical. Like so, it's illogical. Yeah. A lot of the anti immigrant rhetoric is really illogical. And they're very and upstanding people. And, and, and I, I, I get upset when I hear, you know, like a woman and their baby, you know, trying to come to, uh, to escape from their families being annihilated and, yeah. and, 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 and all this stuff and people demonizing yeah, them. Yeah, so that, where's and, the compassion? Yeah, I thought we were a compassionate country. It's kind of scary. I loved how Pete was thinking of the community. And so a lot of what yeah. he talked about on the trail, well, you could put a lot of it back to community, right, really. Right. And, and, and whether or not the community is in your city, or you could think about the community. Even now when he talks, you know, it's if you think of a wider community and how people work together and we need each other and and uh, in that respect. But just the fact that he, he was, and he's had many of his answers on things are just like, in a way, 
no brainer. This yeah, is yeah, the I, way life is, but nobody is saying it that way. I remember the one thing that he said on TV that I think grabbed me. Um, he was talking about, they asked him about abortion. Mm-hmm. Did you remember that one? Yeah. I think it was Fox News. I, 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 Chris oh, Wallace. Oh, yes. I'm right. not that sure. Town hall. It was. Yeah. Was mm-hmm. it? Okay. Because you're, you're really up on no, this. No, because it's gotten a, like it's gone viral. It since, went viral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why Why do you think it's okay for a woman to ha- be able to have an abortion later in, later you know, mm-hmm. a later term abortion? And he turned around and he says, by that point... A woman would have planned the baby. She picked out the baby's clothes. Oh, she, do you yeah. remember this? Yeah. Oh, my God. I wanted to cry when I heard this. I mean, the man is just amazing. And, and and he said she was intending to have that baby. Something happened. Maybe she got, maybe the baby's going to die. Uh-huh. Maybe she's going to, the doctor says, if you have this baby, you could die. Uh-huh. I mean, there could be a, a myriad of things that Mm-hmm. which is privacy again it's a privacy issue between the woman and her doctor mm-hmm. so why are we as a government going to tell this woman that she ha- she can't do that you mm-hmm. know and I'm, what, do you, what is your opinion yeah. about that so and i loved how he created a, the scenario that everybody could understand i mean he can boil down really complex i mean that's that's simple. not complex yeah. but uh, you know morally it's complex uh, for a, a discussion obviously uh, that that issue is, but he can s- simplify it, but not in a way that's making it. It's still complex, but it's stated in simple terms. I don't know how to e- explain well, yeah, that I, I, because I, I, it's still a, it's still not a simple issue, and so he made it something that people could understand. Oh yeah, picking out your baby things. Yeah, you know everybody's like. So then you're transported to that that woman's mindset. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and then on capital punishment, um, his, yeah. his great answer was like, well, you know, maybe some of those, you know, heinous criminals deserve to die, but nobody deserves to kill. Did you hear? Yeah. Did you hear like, his latest one? That he, his, he's always going viral. Um, <clears throat> he said something about the magic button, about the inflation. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. Like the president doesn't <laughs> have the control to push a button and say, you know. Right. Especially global, especially Global. Something that, yeah, and we're actually doing better than the rest of the world as far <laughs> as inflation. So, yeah, he's he, he's just crazy, crazy amazing to me. But, um, and, and I, I did get to uh, see a lot of him during the primary campaign. And actually, it, you know, what most people like about him is that he can articulate things so well in a calm manner. And the mm-hmm. people, even moderates like it, and even Republicans, you know, they, they, they see him as somebody who really makes sense, you know, and he's not... Uh, offensive to him to them because he stays calm yeah yeah. um but he's such a kind person and he's not arrogant yeah he's mm-hmm. yeah, right I it's mean, the he, kindness that i i just absolutely. whatever he does you know those of us who are supporters we, we just want to support him yeah, in, yeah. in any way yeah we can and they you know because and that's how i met you yes <laughs> through uh, at that uh, event um as you know june is pride month did you know that yes i did yes. and i well, saw ha- that you have a pride flag out i know happy uh, pride happy pride um would you tell our listeners what glass ceiling pete broke for the lgbt community and why this visibility is important oh it, it's it's so important and i can't i can only speak as an ally Right. But I have heard a lot I of love my LG, <laughs> LGBTQ friends yes. have stated it in such a way that I did not realize how important it was for them. I, I could only think, oh, it must be important for them. But to see how it's really 
like uh, like can't believe that they can't believe that it even happened. So first of fact, first of all, when he was running as a you know primary candidate mm-hmm. uh, with a husband, oh my it was God, so yeah. so funny. I'm sorry, but I always have to think of a, a protester quote unquote who said, "Mayor Pete is a man with a husband." That's that sign. It's we we kind of joke about it now. Mm-hmm. That because it's like, what Mayor Pete is a man with a husband. I'm that, a man that, with that a was, husband. I know it's like <laughs> so it's a big they deal. were just like making this. That was their homo. <laughs> that was their homophobic uh, prote- protest right, sign during right, the campaign right, that right. they. Uh, but we just thought, okay, that'd be a little yes. That's true. That's a fact. <laughs> when you see yourself, see the thing is, you know, uh, I remember when uh, President Obama was elected. You know, I. I had friends here of all different races and creeds and everything, just sitting and watching the election coverage and everything. And the minute they, I'm, I feel like I want to cry right now. Um, when when he he was announced as the president of the United States, we all we all I I'm yeah. not yeah. you know he, I see there the the, the um, oh I got the goosebumps yeah I, I I see the the oh my God this is happening kind of thing that. I didn't think America was ready for right. this, you know, and that's what I see happening with Pete. Yes, I I see that people, um, are maybe finally getting to a point where they don't care what a person is; they care what they stand for. Does that yes, make sense? and then one of the things that he said in the past about you know, um, you know whether or not he's married or if he's bringing a husband or a uh, a spouse to an event um, that it's just like oh you're bringing your spouse it's not like you're you're gay and you have you know uh, a male a husband right mm-hmm. so he he talked about well he, he really looks forward to the day where it just nobody even cares you're just bringing your spouse mm-hmm. right and um, and the same thing like well who cares as d- He's the Secretary of Transportation. I think it's getting to the point, I don't know what, um, I don't want to make assumptions, especially as an ally, not really understanding that it's, there's still a lot of homophobia out there. But I think it's kind of like he's made, a, a, like his name association as Secretary Buttigieg, I think like what the gay thing is like down the list for people. Uh, 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 what do you think? Yeah, Because was, they're getting to know him. Like they're, they, they're like, wow. You know, right. I was not... going to ask you, um, because you did mention that about, you know, his visibility as a gay man, but I think being that he always talked about his religious connection, that he, because um, he's a, a left-leaning Christian, and there are a lot of churches out there mm-hmm. that are very embracing to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, that, that's uh, important. I think he's grabbing some of the Christian vote as well oh, yeah. w- w- because the Christian left the, exactly, yeah. that's the way it, the, yeah, that's huge. the word yeah the Christian left yeah. and I because um, people think that always think when they think of religion they think of these out there kind of people you mm-hmm. know these like you know um, and he's able to articulate you know parts of Christianity where you know like welcoming the stranger and uh, well, the you know all the things meaning that of like, Christianity. Just, like the poor helping the poor right you know so he's able to Yes, absolutely. To pull, pull that together. Um, so Pete, without question, is a role model, model for our community. Uh, but what is it that planted the seed in your mind to become a strident supporter of Pete Buttigieg for president? Um, so what, um, if you had to, you know, narrow it down to something, what would it be? <laughs> well, so the gut, right? Yeah, the so, gut, I so, guess, yeah. You know, smarter than anyone oh I've God. met, but also kind. Well, isn't he, uh, isn't he a, me- a member of Mensa? 
<laughs> oh, I don't know if he is actually. Uh, I'm sure he could be. I mean, he like he, he seems of... like he's from like another planet or let's just say <laughs> um, higher, more highly evolved. But the thing is, if he just had that superior intellect, uh-huh. well, I've I've seen other people who have superior intellect. But the thing is, they don't have, um, let's say the EQ, okay, emotional intelligence. Right. So he's got really high emotional intelligence, like he really understands people. Mm-hmm. He's very intuitive about people and community. And uh, when you see him now, he can sit next to a, and uh, have a chat with a trucker. He can sit next to and have a chat with, you know, the um, world leaders. He's comfortable with any kind of person, and it's it's authentic. And I could always tell that it was authentic. Yeah. So the, that's uh, the skill set of ex- uh, that really high intelligence, but also the emotional intelligence of how to deal with people. And his compassion and just that that all together that, that he we need him and especially it was like Trump was still president at the time oh, and he yeah. was the anti-Trump like it's completely everything Trump was. Oh, yeah, the total opposite. And then I was so shocked during the Trump years oh, about um, uh, lack <laughs> of integrity, lack of integrity. Yes. I guess that, that's yeah. just anyway that deplorableism that I, I didn't think there were that many people who were. So um, I guess Hillary Clinton had it right. Deplorable. Yeah, I, and, and to find out that there were real people who were supporting him and it wasn't it. So to see, oh, one person who was going to be the opposite and be decent. I mm-hmm. mean, that's what nobody ever can say. He's not a decent oh, human God, no. being, mm-hmm. you know. So I guess for me, you know, I thought he has to he has to, to go forward. And with the, his name recognition at the time, I thought, okay, this guy needs money and time to, to get out there because anytime anybody heard him speak, they just were sold. Mm-hmm. So he just needed more time. So I, I, I gave as much as I could. I donated to the max. And then I just wanted to keep supporting in any way that I could. Um, yeah, to get the name out there. So uh, other people felt the same way. I I, I just spoke about this to a friend. I said, I hope for, because, you know, I'm up there in age. um, I said, I hope before I'm gone, is the way to put it, (laughs) I I want to see him as president. I I know that, you know, the the heir apparent is going to be our vice president, um, Mm -hmm. uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, I don't think he would want to usurp that unless she decides maybe she doesn't want to run. But he's never going to do anything. No, if all those people speculating, he would never do anything that would be tacky. self-serving. Maybe tacky yeah. or yeah. I mean, he still is. Yeah, he's lots of integrity. Yeah. Yes. Oh, super, super duper integrity. But but uh, once he is president, that will that will break a glass ceiling. Oh boy! Because I don't he, think I'll be able to stop crying. I think okay, he's that. married to Chaston, and they have adopted. Twins. twins. So not only that, they are gay parents, which is is another another thing that they have to, you know. And they're they get probably amazing the parents from yeah. the way you could see that how they are it, yeah. because there's a lot of videos out there with their kids and um, it's all about their kids. Pete has so much heart, and every time I saw him in person and talked to him, like I, I kept being reminded of clergy, and not because he's preacher, but but if you have an experience after a service shaking the hand of the minister or the priest uh-huh. and how they look at you and you feel like they really care about you that's like Pete makes you feel like he cares about people and it's authentic 
Your first podcast was called Twitter Travels for Pete, and I was also on that. Yes. I am just wow. very... You're my go-to person. <laughs> <Your> go <laughs> yeah, um, I, I really enjoyed doing that. It was fun. And, I'm, and thank you for doing that, because I think people really needed to hear other people's opinions about that, uh, about him and about his, um, his platform. And uh, you put it out there, so thank you. Right. For that. Well, I, I wanted to help the that. campaign. I thought, how can I use my skills? I, I'm an extrovert who loves to meet people, and I was already meeting people and traveling. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'll just interview them about what their volunteer group is doing on the ground, and then um, so like Virginia, Maryland, DC, those 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 people, they were doing so much. It was so impressive, and I thought, well, then they can share that podcast episode with all the people. Right. The, the relational organizing is what we do to like talk to friends and family about the candidate, and then because they're more likely to respect. Um, and listen to someone they know telling them about a candidate and rather than an Americans, ad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to thank you personally, though. Uh, uh, I, I don't think I've ever done this, but um, you're the reason your podcast, that podcast, uh, was the reason I that planted the seed for me to do mine. Wow. So I want to thank you because I, I saw how you reached people, and it was really... Um, it's the everyday people. Yeah, everyday people. I mean, I think people want to hear more. I mean, the talking heads on TV, you know, they say the same old dribble. Uh -huh. But a regular person has ideas and things that you would never hear on regular TV and on a news program, right? right? People are so interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I genuinely like people. It's like... <laughs> I just like people. I like at, uh, well, I so I go to the airport a lot, <laughs> and I even like people in the TSA line. Yeah, and that's Pete too. I think I really do think he genuinely likes people. You could see that. Yeah. I'm sure your uh, our listeners would like to know about the first time you met Pete and his husband Chaston, and 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 this is you can answer this question if you want to or not. Can you divulge any personal experiences you had that stick with you uh, when you uh, first met or? Any particular, it doesn't have to be your well, first Well, I, I met Pete along the rope line several times, but you only get like a minute, even though he would probably like to spend more time, but he had um, Sarah Lena with him, his um, body woman, I guess she was called. Body Yeah, she was called the body woman. And, and <laughs> body she, would, she, would take, she would take the selfies, and, but she kept him moving along. She, and, um, but he still made it seemed like you know all of his attention was on me so um after i met him in minneapolis at the fine line cafe that was the only time he was here during the campaign yeah i remember and he only was, came uh, once yeah mm -hmm. and that was may yeah may 2nd 2019 uh so i didn't actually get to meet him i was like i was still like really close to the stage and he was shaking hands just with the people at the front and I reached my hand made him shake hands with me so I didn't meet him then but other times that I, I did meet him um, I knew that oh the first time was at the Iowa State Fair and he was in the an entourage just walking through the fair and and uh, my friend said oh go up and talk to him I go no no I don't want to I, I, I mean I'm gonna have to like push my way through a crowd as he's You're walking like a scared fan and the CNN uh, all these big mic boom microphones were the, 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 the press was walking backwards like with him and um, but I did and I talked to him for less than probably four to five seconds uh, but the CNN oh wait it was uh, C-SPAN C -SPAN, I can find myself on the C-SPAN video of him oh, of wow, that really? day. I gotta look for yeah, that. Yeah, so I took so I did a screenshot of that of me getting my selfie with him. 
but what I want to say, so several times, but I knew it was only going to be like a minute that I would have to talk to him. So I planned what I was going to say in advance. Mm -hmm. And uh, one time I wanted him to, so I was going to events. So I, uh, why why did I go to so many events? Well, so I can, I can fly for free. My husband used to work for Delta and we have the retiree flight benefit still. So um, I could go to South Bend. I could go to wherever events were and why was I was I just like being a super fan or whatever was I was I being obsessive well I suppose you could say that but in my mind I wanted to show support so for political candidates if they have a big crowd this looks good so sometimes I mean you just want to go and add to the numbers or you want to go and you want to go so you can tell people hey I heard him speak and so all that relational organizing I say I have met him he's the real deal Mm -hmm. so you know, then um, who can who can um, contradict that, right? So um, I wanted him to sign his book, Shortest Way Home. So I thought, okay. Which is not, the first of two. The, yeah, and Trust is more. Uh, trust Shortest is Way Home is his, bi- his, his memoir, is his biography, basically. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought, I'm not going to do the selfie because that's not enough time. You know, I want to do the book and uh, but somebody else took my happened to be taking pictures of the crowd and got pictures of me and she came up to me later and said I got a good picture of you with Pete but the other two times I planned what I was going to be what I was going to talk to him about but it's it's a very um, it's not a satisfying conversation in any way because it's too short and I don't know if he if he recognizes yeah, they me. Don't, these candidates, they don't have a lot of time. You no, know, they're I'm, always being pushed to go here, there, and their handlers are like, you know, because I, I, I saw better O'Rourke here in, um, during when he was running for president. Because um, I was, this is before I. I you settled? I, I settled for Pete, yeah. On one candidate. Uh, because I, I liked Beto at the beginning. You know, I kind of, you know, I, I still like him. I think he's a great guy. And I hope he wins um, in go- the governorship oh, yeah. in, in Texas because we need to do something about these guns. My goodness. And, uh, and he's, he's, the, one, he's, the, yeah. he's the ones fighting against uh, semi-automatics. And mm-hmm. because these are weapons, if you, if you brought them backward in time to the Vietnam War, that that would have outgunned any soldier at oh, that time. You know, it's just a ridiculous. It is. Uh, it's an offensive weapon mm-hmm. that nobody really needs. I mean, if you want to protect yourself, I have no problem with that. If you want to have a handgun in your house or whatever, you know. But Beto was out there, you know, fighting, you know, to mm-hmm. to, to, to try to get some control right. on 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 the amount of guns. Well, anyway, you saw him in Minneapolis. Or? Yeah, I have pictures of him. Okay, what so but in... did you feel like you were being rushed along the rope line? Oh my God! Yeah, it, it, I that's where I got that mm-hmm. first impression when you were talking about Pete, um, because I saw it in, uh, firsthand. Because Beto had a line going out. Mm-hmm. He was in Lakeville, down here in uh, this end of the neck of the woods. I mean, that's a way to show support is to attend. Yes. And and everybody got a few seconds, and then the lady would be like, "Okay, okay, next," <laughs> you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he, uh, I said, the first question I asked him was, "I, I heard you spoke Spanish," and I said, to him, "Because of, he said, por supuesto," <laughs> and we started. We had a little banter in Spanish, okay. and then he put his arm around me. He said, "You want to take a picture?" And I was like, okay. "Yeah." He was so nice. Oh, so so please, Texas, if anybody from Texas that hears <laughs> this, please go out and vote oh, for Beto. Gosh. Yeah, absolutely. But one um, of the time when I told I told Pete about my podcast Twitter travels for Pete and I wanted to make sure he knew about it. Um, although I knew people in the campaign 
knew about it, but I wanted to be able to tell him directly. And mm-hmm. anyway, he laughed at the title because he got a, that tickled him because it, of the alliteration, Twitter travels repeat. So he does it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I wanted to tell him about a particular episode that was um, a little different than the others, a, a woman who had uh, considered ending her life, but drove oh, no. herself to the hospital and checked herself in instead. Mm-hmm. And uh, she really credited the Team Pete community for helping her out and being supportive of her. And Aww. I wanted him to know that. I wanted to know that he was indirectly, you know, part of That's her. It's a wonderful story. So, yeah. um, and I don't know if he ever had a chance to, to listen to that episode, but I went to that event hoping to talk to him. And I knew that I would have like a minute to talk to him. So, you know, you have to get right to the point. I know a lot of people are really shy when they, you know, first meet somebody who's you know, really famous, and you'll be like, it's like, okay, you just need to know any of you, if you're in a rope line, you don't have much time and just get right to the point. And so I was, you know, he knew about my podcast and that, that made me happy. And um, I, I hope he listened to it. Traveling secretary. Yeah. And then um, he knew that I did the transportation series too. I know because I mean, I don't, I'm just assuming because people close to him knew about it mm-hmm. <laughs> and the rules of the road. So, um, you know, he's a, a busy person even during the, in between his, you know, when he suspended his campaign and then it was locked down for COVID, but he was writing trust and then he was campaigning for Biden. So yeah. um, I hope he's listened to at least one episode. I know yeah. I, I interviewed his uh, chief of staff at the South Bend, uh, Laura O'Sullivan, and um that was for my Rules of the Road series, and I hope that he listened to that because, you know, she was working with him so closely. Like, I'm sure he'd be curious to know, like, oh, what did she say about my time as mayor? <laughs> all, all <laughs> well, good. we both agree, though, um, I'm sure, that this man has an amazing future. I mean, he um, he's only, I think he just turned 40. Is yes. that, am I right? Yeah. And so, I mean, we have a president that's going to be 80 um he's got half the other half of his life to be uh, president uh, or something uh, important in our i mean right now he he says he wants to be of use you know he wants to do something that is going to be helpful and i'm hoping that does happen because he's just amazing anyway so now we've come to uh the part of the show i'd like to call the shift I think I mentioned okay. this too before we started. Yes. Um, where I shift the questioning away from your career and into a discussion of your opinions on current events. Uh, are you okay with that? Yes. First of all? I always ask the listeners, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, um, excuse me, the guests, um, if it's okay to go into that direction. So let's start with the first question. Um, these are just questions I've come up with because I want to connect you with mm-hmm. what we just discussed okay. into current events mm-hmm. because. Um, that would be something of some sort of your expertise. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, as a supporter of uh, Pete Buttigieg, what is your opinion of Florida's parental rights and education law? Now, I personally feel the name is very misleading because it's not, <laughs> has nothing to do with parental rights. Um, the law is commonly known as don't the don't say gay bill. So, in other words, I'm explain it for the listeners out there who haven't heard about this. So, if you're in a classroom, right, like Pete's family, mm-hmm. and they have twins, and they go to school, and they have a you know talk about your family day or something at, at school, and well, my two daddies, 
<laughs> Stop so right there. So they can't <laughs> yeah. talk about can't talk the about fact it. that their dads are gay. Right. So what do you they... what do you feel about that? <laughs> well, Pete's well husband, laughing, but it's not funny. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, Pete's yeah, husband yeah. Chaston has been on uh, a lot of shows speaking out on uh, against this. Mm-hmm. And he's an educator, um, and he says this is just so terrible for kids. Let's let's like there are so many layers here that are horrible. This is trying to tell people that their families don't matter, right? So it's giving this message for kids at a very young age that there's something wrong yeah. with being gay. There's something wrong. Bingo. Yep. With you, mm-hmm. and how how much damage that does. And he can see that that actually you know lives will be lost because to, to, due to suicide because. You know, kids, uh, gay, gay yeah. kids grow up feeling um, there's something wrong with them. There's something wrong with them. They're not being mm-hmm. accepted. It's it's so deep. And if it starts at that young age, and it's so insulting, so it's horrible for the kids, mm-hmm. you know. So so if, well, if the kids are, happen to be stray and they have gay parents, what that's also affecting, their, that's like attacking their family structure, and that's them, yeah, but that's it's part like, of the, who they are. Yeah, and and you know, and, and being um, then I went through the seventies oh. uh, uh, with this extreme homophobia. I mean, um, I I contemplated many. I don't want to say suicide, but I wanted to hurt myself a mm-hmm. few times. I didn't like myself. I said, God, what's wrong with me? Because I was you know yeah. I was brought up Catholic. And you get that guilt, it's horrible. you know, and um, it, 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 I could just imagine, you know, a kid being told, you know, your family, we can't talk about your family. You know, your family is not. How damaging. My, That's psychologically damaging to such a young it's awful. age. It's and awful. Any psych, psych, you know, child psychologist yes, could my, tell you that. My family, my, I had a, you know, I, my dad died when I was young, but I had a mother. So I, because I had a mother, that's normal, quote unquote. And so I didn't feel that badly about it but imagine a kid now who has two mothers two fathers uh and they're told no we can't talk about that no 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 we can't and you know what's the best way to draw attention to something with kids is to tell tell you can't talk talk about about something (laughs) like banning books so that makes me want to buy it even get it even more yeah my last guest i we we talked about banning books because he's an author like you are Mm -hmm. and imagine if they said well we can't this, this is going to hit home for you because I just thought of this. Mm-hmm. It's not a prepared question, but um, your book about Pete, they could ban it saying, yeah. well, he's a, he's a gay guy. We yeah. don't want to talk about <laughs> it. What would you think of that? <laughs> well, I think they're so ridiculous. Some of it's just like really so uh, anti-intellectual. Yeah. And the thing about education, though, there's a wider issue, and it's uh, that they're trying to, as Pete said, well, they don't have any answers for the real problems, you know, the right, mm-hmm. of, of how to fix things. So they're just like, you know, showing cruelty or putting, you know, atten- uh, shifting attention elsewhere. And uh, so the, all these educational issues based on, I don't know, social um, issues, I don't know, yeah. Uh, whether or not like somebody's gay, but that's not the only one. Um, well, you know, what, what reproductive about the voting, rights. Ro- voting rights for uh, African Americans. Right, all of that. They're, they're yeah. preventing oh. them from access to about what, what I what I think is actually criminal to me, terrible. If you, if you want to know, in Houston they had all these drop boxes during COVID, so people had more access to the ballot. Um, if it, now they lowered the amount of drop boxes, they had I think it's down to one or something. Yeah, it was it was in, so in, obvious. In a city that so has obvious. millions of people, but if you go to the outskirts to the rural area, yeah. 
these people, you know, never have to stand in a the line. They don't <laughs> have to ever worry about not being able to vote. And they have more access to voting than a right. person who lives in a city. It's, it's really obvious Come on. <laughs> what's happening. Yeah. But I wanted to... Um, As Judge Judy once said, though, Sue Ann, I have to, I have to, this is funny. She said, don't, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> Because they're trying Good. to tell—they're yeah. trying to tell you this is not happening. No, we're not doing that to to African. It's audacious. Really. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. But the thing about education and just that the parents' rights—that's called the parental right bill—and mm-hmm. um, that's a really like so misleading. There's already been a problem with um, in, in education with the helicopter parents coming mm-hmm. in and saying that you know you need to do this with my child, like. Um, but the the fact that they don't respect educators that's just that's very disturbing to me as well that mm-hmm. people who have spent a career of studying you know pedagogy and um, uh, all things education related it's a profession there are other people involved it's not just teachers there are curriculum writers there are like people with really advanced degrees and they know what they're talking about and then you have a parent who has no background in education at all, and then they make a big deal about, well, you have to teach my child this way. So what's that really about? I mean, it, there's, it's, it's just a way for the right to get people all fired up for their issues. Well, they've done that historically. I mean, you remember that the Willie Horton ads during the 90s about, you know, Oh, you know, you know, let these, they're letting black people out of the jail and they're killing your people, you know. And I, um, scare tactics, uh, unfortunately, sometimes they work, yes. Sue Ann. And that's the fear. Yes. But it's not based well, on anything that was really going wrong. It was like, it's like um, a solution looking for a problem, right? Yeah. That's, that's how they've had to deal it. And if well, Fox, they didn't have Fox News, they wouldn't have been able I to was, accomplish you read it. my mind. Fox News is putting out, uh, as we speak, that, um, Teachers are grooming, quote unquote, your children <laughs> to be gay. We don't have time. <laughs> so, when you can't like, be groomed, it's either you are or oh you're gosh. not. I mean, oh I, it's God. just like me trying to groom you to be uh, um, Italian. You know, I, you're I not. will tell it's you something, and I don't know uh, if there's ever going to be a local version of Fox. I know that on radio there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so I do know people who watch Fox. But yet, and so they're totally sold on the propaganda. Of but course. then, so they're local Minnesotans. But Correct. then, for Minnesota politics, they're not getting any of the propaganda because they don't—they're not listening to AM radio, and so they're more reasonable. So that's like I have to keep reminding myself. Thank God. I mean, this is somebody who is a, a Governor Walls supporter, but was a Trump supporter. It's like the to me, this does not make any sense really? at all. Is that common? You think? No, I, I think this is like the separation, like the Fox News propaganda and just believing everything they're telling you, but it's at the national level. So I'm, I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. thank God it's just national and it's not local mm-hmm. because uh, a moderate person is they're going to, you know, they just look. I mean, Governor Walls it seems like a moderate to this person mm-hmm. and they're not upset about anything. So, um, but I know if, she, if this person were listening to some of that uh, right wing radio locally, then yeah, it would be yeah. a different thing. Yeah, that's, but um, that's a good point. But I hope that people um, can divorce um, the Fox propaganda from reality. That's that's my big 
you know, what I wrestle with in my brain is, you know, if you watch consistent Fox, because, you know, I watch Fox every so often, I'll, I'll admit it to you, um, because I'd like to see what the other side is thinking, but I, I, I can see right through them, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, some of it's insidious because they just plant, like, seeds. the yeah. thing that they've been talking about, Biden being senile or, oh, you know, God. stuttering. Yeah. They, they've done that, like, they slip it in wherever they can so that they are creating this, the narrative that's mm-hmm. constant. Mm-hmm. So they they kind of start or, you know, throw it in that's really seems slightly. But the benign. grooming thing. Oh, yeah. When I heard that as a gay person, that's like a talking point that somebody's saying, "Hey, we need to make sure we're getting this talking point out there." Right, but 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 but. It's I guess what what shook me was. I here I am as a gay man, my whole life trying to fight it because. You know, I, I said to my, when I was younger, I mean, I should say. Yeah, right. Um, I, I don't want people to hate me. Yeah, of course I want not. to be loved. I want yes. people to treat me like a human being. So I would fight it and, 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 and not, you know, uh, go, you know, go out with a guy or go out with a girl. Or I would do right. things that were not, uh, would not jar anybody, you mm-hmm. know, or make anybody say, ooh, you know. And here I have Fox News saying that it's possible because I, I couldn't turn straight. <laughs> you tried. I tried. Yeah. But now they're trying to sell these people saying that your children could be groomed to turn gay mm-hmm. by being taught that in school, just being taught about <laughs> right. it in school. Isn't that sickening to you? <laughs> I mean, I don't they, don't, they, don't, they don't really understand. Oh, obviously. my goodness. And they might not understand what groomed means either. Well, that's what groomed means, doesn't it? It's to, when I groom somebody to be something, you're, you're, you're trying to get them to do it, you know, kind of thing. I don't uh, know. Anyway, as a woman, let's go to a different subject now. <laughs> as a woman, um, th- this is something I think I know what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your opinion about the leaked Supreme Court opinion that will overturn, they're saying will overturn Roe v. Wade? And now, you're a woman. Mm-hmm. Now, pretend that you are of... Yeah, I, a, a child that, stage of, that stage of my life is yeah. over. And I don't know what kind of decision I would make personally. So Do you have pro nieces choice? and nephews or, yeah. ch- or children no, that are no, young? No, but as a woman, it's like, really, somebody's going to just tell me like that it's illegal. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't want to, I probably wouldn't want to do it anyway. But the point is, I think of it from a societal, wider, like stepping back. Mm-hmm. I feel that women are going to choose abortion, or they're gonna they're gonna choose uh, the coat hanger or whatever. Oh that, my goodness! That, I remember that too. That, yeah. I mean, we do have statistics to show that's. I mean, I think that was helpful when Roe v. Wade uh, was passed um, to show that. So the what wealthy women they can go and get a safe abortion. They'll get it somewhere. anyway, right? So if you care about you know every person here in the United States. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, there were statistics to show, you know, mortality and injury. Well, that's why... The, that. I, yeah, so so that's that's primarily why I'm poor choice, pro, pro-choice, because it's, I feel it's it's going to happen and it needs to be safe and controlled and, absolutely. and, and legal. Absolutely. And, but don't you... Uh, uh, the original decision, Roe v. Wade... By the Supreme Court, you know, you know why they decided the way they did because it was a privacy issue. Uh-huh. They so said, now this it's is, not privacy. Now it's not privacy anymore. Uh-huh. Now all of a sudden, the government can come in and tell you, isn't that a slippery slope? Now, mm-hmm. now they're telling you you can't do this. 
-hmm. Next thing they'll tell you, you can't do that, or you can't do this. Or, right. you know, and do we want that? Do we want the government, for example, to say to me, you know, Philip, you can't be married to a man. That's mm -hmm. not right. You know, I don't think that you should be married to a man um, because society is going to be adversely affected by that. Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever that means. Um, but yeah. yet they don't want anybody to um, on the right to interfere with their privacy issues of being business owners. What about having a gun? Yeah. I mean, it's really... <laughs> You can, that's my issue. That's a privacy issue. That's my gun, but you can't, yeah, right. you got to, I have a privacy issue with your gun. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But, um, but I mean, it's really pretty scary because usually it's settled law is not, not brought up again. So that's, that's what's really especially disturbing. Are there any that. laws you would, you, um, speaking of guns, that you would like to see pass to protect little children? Because if we can't protect little children in this country, what? I don't know why we, a semi-automatic or the, the AR-15 type rifle, I don't understand why that should be allowed in any way. I don't see a purpose for Me that. Me neither. Because the survival an rate weapon. and yeah. the survival rate is, is, is really low if, if you get hit with one of those. Mm -hmm. I mean, how can they patch you up? I mean, did, that's why. Did you hear, uh, this is, uh, I, can't, I have no words, really. Mm -hmm. They said that that gun, when they, he shot those children... They you, they needed DNA to identify them. Yeah. Think about this, people. It's Think not about like a shotgun. what you are allowing to happen in this country. That your children need to be identified by DNA because this gun can just do just so like much. Pulverize them. Them. pulverizes yeah. you like to dust. I don't I, I don't understand why why it's necessary oh. in any way. Like it, it does you know and and that's where the NRA has been so successful. And uh, I mean I know. I have my nephews or my brothers, Hunter. I'm not yeah. opposed to that. Why? You don't so need, my an, you don't need yeah. an AR-15 to be a hunter. Yeah. I'm not saying any, that there, and, and even anybody who wants to have um, a handgun to protect themselves, we're not talking my, about that my, kind of weapon right yeah, now. Yeah, my father-in-law said something funny, because he, uh, he's, he he's a gun owner. He goes deer hunting and all that. He said, if I used an AR on a deer, the meat would be, Pulver you wouldn't be able to eat it if you That's pulverized. What, you know what? That's what we need to have more of an analogy about out for people. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because it's a it, weapon of war. I mean, we don't. Oh God! Of obviously, it we is. don't need it in society. Absolutely not. Anyway, I would like to thank Sue Ann Rollins, my friend. Is it already time to say goodbye? Yeah, we, we hit that hour point here. I know it's so sad. It's easy to um, talk. I want to thank you for sharing your time. Uh, with us on the Downright Upright show. This is my, one of my earlier uh, podcasts, so I'm getting into the groove. And thank um, you. For, are you enjoying it as much as you thought I you would? Do. I do, and it's people like you that make it fun. Oh, thank and you. So thank I appreciate you. it. It was so much fun to talk to you today. You have been an amazing guest. Oh, thank well, it's you only, again. I'll have to come back. And to our listeners, <laughs> thank you for spending time with us today. And please stay tuned for more podcasts in the future. This is Philip Anthony wishing everyone a happy Pride and uh, a great summer. And Sue Ann, happy, happy Pride to you. Yes. And uh, thank you. And, you know, uh, uh, the last thing I want to end with is thank you for being an ally because the LGBT community can only exist with allies because we'll never be the dominant uh, uh, um, population of this country or of the world we need allies we need people to look at us as human beings and treat us with uh, with respect so thank you uh, for that as well 
Oh, I'm I'm happy. That's the only way to be, and I'll try to create more allies. <laughs> Okie dokie. Thank you, everyone. See you soon. <laughs>